I'm Matt Burton, and before we get to Keegan and Brady, I just wanted to remind everyone that every Thursday we record this podcast at Vanessa House Beer Company on Broadway and 8th. So come out, hang out with us, have a couple beers, or if you don't drink, just hang out with us. You can listen to the pod live as it's going. You don't even have to wait. You can just listen to it live, straight from Brady and Keegan's lips. The Thursday pod is heard on Patreon first, and then it's free after the first day that it's out. Okay, okay, enough of me. I'll let you listen to Keegan and Brady on Through the Keyhole. We're not, we're never ready, just like Oklahoma wasn't ready. Yes, we're recording, Keegan. Oh, we are? You, you can get, let's get silly. I hope the first part of it gets edited out. Matt? The, the what? Why would, we, why would we edit out that Oklahoma wasn't ready? Oh, let's glide anything before it. Yeah. Welcome to the, the, the Through the Keyhole. You kit. almost did it. I about <laughs> did it. Well, App, Apple Podcasts would have been very happy with you because they apparently think that it's still called Inside OU. But no, this is Through the Keyhole. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Brady Trantham here alongside Keegan Renault at Vanessa House Beer Company on Broadway and 8th in Oklahoma City. Like we 99% of the time are mm. every Thursday, unless Brady's in Dallas, unless Keegan has something to do. Um, unless Vanessa House is closed, which never happens, we're, we're open. We're open all day. We're open mm-hmm. the entire time. I, mean, I haven't had a destination wedding in a couple weeks. Ex- I'm excited. Yeah, come out and get the six packs, man. Destination wedding, like summer is. It's here for about an I don't know, like another few weeks. But we all know that even after summer officially ends in Oklahoma, it's still gonna be 100 degrees. It's still gonna be hot for. We have that first uh, real strong cold front coming through next week. You know, you know when the cold front should come? When? It should come two or three hours after the game ends on Saturday, just like it did last week. <laughs> that did happen. That was annoying. I, I called this in the offseason, Keegan. Uh, it's it's, um, it's n- something that's not that important, but I knew this was going to be the case. Um, as About around Oklahoma State or Baylor last year, the last two home games, mm-hmm. every single home game that day in Norman, Oklahoma, the weather was perfect. The early games, like the Kansas State game, the Missouri State game, not hot at all. Correct. The cold weather games like Bedlam and, and um, Baylor, not cold in the least. Not even strong winds that made it colder than the actual temperature. And I knew then, because I wasn't going to campus and I wasn't ta- nobody was tailgating, the stadium was at some capacity unless it was Oklahoma State, and then in which case there were a lot more people out there. It was, I just thought, you know what, this would happen this year. And I guarantee <laughs> you we'll be back to our regularly sponsored, our, our, our regular programming next year. Um, and you know what, 1-0 so far, Tulane game, extremely hot. But I guess that's that's a good enough reason for the players to not play very well. It's, it's too hot. It's a reason to rotate 31 guys. That's about a, you know, a, what did he say? That's about a player, a, a one player, a drive or something like that. Oh, I don't. I don't. Talk about Grinch. No, Lincoln. Oh, Lincoln. I just can. I, can I jump on something really quick? Do it. Let me jump on something right really the, quick. Right off the bat. So you've seen the Nick Saban cl- uh, clip, right? That has gone around. That next to Lincoln Riley's press conference. Oh. And I'll give a shout out to our good friend Chisholm Holland, uh, co-host of the Triple M Ranch Monday through Friday. Maybe you've heard of him. He was on the podcast a few weeks ago, uh, prior to the season. He went on. He went on one today. I've never heard him this this loud on the radio. Mm. He was upset with OU fans who will come at him and say, well, Alabama does this, so OU should. And Chisholm says, well, you know, OU could get there f- this season, but they're not there yet, so if you're going to be that type of OU fan, then there's something wrong with you. Now, I think big picture-wise, OU fans have the right to feel that way. Like when you're talking about the program and the history and the standard at OU, it's the same thing as it is at Alabama. Now, rationally, as it stands right today, yeah, Chisholm's right. But having said all that, when I see Nick Saban just tear his team a new asshole, essentially, in the media, after a dominant performance against a ranked team in Miami, a team that um, I didn't. To beat to win straight up. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, God. Why have you forsaken me? 
when I see that happen and then I see Lincoln Riley say, oh, I thought the offensive line played excellent. Or, oh, no, he, may, uh, he, 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 was, he was good, Spencer Rattler. He was good, but blah, blah, blah. I, I'm just like, I know every coach is different. I know every personality is different. And I know that doesn't necessarily mean really anything. And to take something out of a press conference is a little silly. But, Keegan, that's my job. I'm the silly one here. Oh, oh you can't start doing that all of a sudden. You know, like, we can kind of talk about some of the things that we've heard over the last week. It's weird how more people talk after weeks like that happen than when things are going well. It's weird how that happens, right? Let's just say it was like Lincoln has been more of a hard ass within practices, within those walls. Surely didn't translate, but it's time for that to do. It's time. It's no longer this can happen. No longer it can happen. We talked about this on Tuesday, Brady. This was the 15th game since Lincoln Riley's been the head coach where they have not put a game away, quote-unquote. Un- quote Your boy came prepared for this one. Let's do it. There's another, let me, I guess this will be the shout-out episode because, oh boy, oh boy, our good friend Ryan Chapman, who's also filled in on this podcast correct? Um, over the past year or so, he put out a good little article on allsooners.com, uh, works with our good friend John Hoover as well. Um, here are the numbers because, you know, the, the 15 games, the, just the general understanding that Lincoln Riley's teams, since he's been the head coach, have struggled. Early, once. mostly early in the season. Yeah. Well, here's some numbers to support it. So this is from Ryan Chapman. Under Riley, the Sooners are outscoring their opponents by 609 points in the first half. In the second half, that margin is more than cut in half, 280 points. And in Big 12 play only, the second half drop-off is even larger. OU has outscored conference opponents by 391 points in the first half and only 167 in the second. And he goes on to kind of put more perspective in on the third quarter, um, which has been particularly uh, dismal for Oklahoma. Conference play, Oklahoma is outscoring opponents by an average of 2.5 points per game in the third quarter over the entire season. And then he juxtaposes that with Alabama, which, again, admittedly is a little bit of a tiresome chore to do. But OU, we've been saying it all offseason, they are a national title contender. And when you are in that category, you've got to compare yourself to Alabama and Georgia and all these other programs. So 2.5 points per game in the third quarter compared to Alabama, who is beating their opponents by an average of 5.5 points per game in the third quarter. So that's where OU stands. And that's no surprise, though. It's no surprise because if you've paid attention for the last five years, like you have seen it, you've been frustrated with it. And it's not exactly a pattern in that it always happens. It's and just early in the year. Well, I mean, it even even last year. Sure. Last year was Oklahoma State and the – I mean, you can consider, the, I guess, the Buki personal foul kept Oklahoma State in that one. But yep. you could argue that. Um it's not necessarily, I guess, a play-calling offensive thing, but even if you just focus offensively, I mean, there's been you – now you go 19, it was all the turnovers, right? Where, I mean, can you – like, I don't know how you can blame that necessarily on Lincoln besides the fact that, <laughs> I mean, it's his team. They are having the turnover issues. It was his quarterback. It was fumbles. That all falls on the head coach. And uh, I, I think the biggest thing – is whenever you talk about just the overall energy after halftime. And I think if there's anything, that's probably the biggest complaint. There just is a lack of energy after half, especially you look at it's 37-14. You know, we talked about this, you know, not going to blame Mario Williams too much, freshman, right, in his first game, Brady. But 40, it, it is weird how it just, it does, it would be different. 40-14 to 14 is a little bit different than 37 and, you know, at the end of the day, like, you can't blame him for that. You know, Mike Woods drop at the end. That's a little more inexcusable as a, as a fourth-year, fifth-year guy. But Yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to blame the kids who haven't been there yet. Yeah. You know, because they're the ones who are supposed to be taught by the upperclassmen that it's not supposed to be easy. And even though it's Tulane, like, you still got to play like it's, you know, a gigantic game. And unfortunately for Oklahoma – Midway through the third quarter on until the end of the game, it was a gigantic game because OU is in danger of losing it. Yes. Anytime OU is in danger of losing a game, it's a big game. Uh, I don't know if you also saw the, the Isaiah Thomas quote from earlier today. 
Mm. I'll take that as a no. The Isaiah quote, the Isaiah Thomas quote from yesterday about or from yesterday. Yeah, the uh, no, I yes, I did see that. that. I heard a dog barking. Yeah, that is. I mean, the dog barking's not concerning. The dog no, barking's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, because you can bring your dogs here at Vanessa because it's fun. That's the whole point. But Isaiah Thomas saying that yeah, there are some players on this team that look at the opponent and they kind of that's where they derive their energy from is from playing certain types of opponents you know or lack thereof i would i guess i should say so basically when they're playing helmet schools like the energy will be there when they're playing good teams ranked teams the energy will be there when they're playing teams like Tulane um, bad Baylor bad Texas Tech bad whoever the energy level just isn't there that is more than concerning and especially especially when Oklahoma plays in this conference which is just littered with also rans in mid-tier programs. Well, luckily, all those teams in the mid-tier programs have given Oklahoma fits over the last year, two years. So maybe they won't They won't take them lightly. Texas Tech would be the only one, right? They've just beat the absolute dog out of them the last couple years. Yeah, and even that was kind of interesting for about two minutes. I mean, the first drive, the defense just got gashed. Uh, second drive... Could have been pretty bad if a ball didn't get tipped off a receiver's hands right into Trey Norwood's hands. And it was 42-14. to 14. Marvin Mims drops that wide-open bomb to make it potentially 48-49-14. And then Texas Tech gets the ball back, and I think that that's when they threw that tight end like back, you know, back across they, the field they ran pass. The, they ran the Oklahoma play at Oklahoma. Yeah, and... Did Tech score on that? 75-yard touchdown pass. Yeah, so now it's 42-14. Or, or, or Okay, so it was 42-7, then it became 42-14. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking at that moment, okay, if Oklahoma's going to start doing what it's been doing this season and their offense goes to sleep for like three straight possessions and Tech scores on one of them, it's 42-21. to 21. Mm-hmm. Like that's striking distance. That's where your lesser-than opponent can start believing, and that's where you know I wrote about on the Monday Post – on uh, our through the keyhole patreon page which this podcast is going up for the first 24 hours exclusively then it's free for everybody on the formerly inside ou podcast feed uh, but i wrote about it then you know like this rattler team this the rattler era sooners they're just perpetually stuck in this zone where they are one one stop on defense or one score away from just the game's over there's not enough time and there's not enough scoring to be had by the opponent and for some reason, this team cannot put their, you know, like get the kill shot off. And I guess a lot of it has to come from some of the players or enough of the players kind of looking at their opponent going, oh, we're better than them. This is boring. I don't want to. Why should I get up for Tulane? Why should I get up for Western Carolina? Why should I even get up for, I mean, for all we know, why should I get up for Nebraska? Because they've sucked ever since I've been alive, if you're a player on this team. is I mean, is that inherent on the player? This is what I would be interested to talk to, like, a former player or whatever is how hmm. much how much inspiration or motivation do you derive from your coaching staff right like it, or is that something that at that point in your life as a young man young adult and especially a lot of these players trying to become professionals in the NFL you have to bring your own motiv- motivation you have to motivate yourself it's you're not you're not a kid anymore mm-hmm. you know that a lot of these players like to fancy themselves young men and in a lot of respects they are but if you if you put that product on the field and look lackadaisical and damn near lose to a mid-tier power five program or group of five program, then no, that's that's not mature. That's not taking your craft seriously. And I, w- I want to focus on you know the Rattler era led Sooners as well too, right? From the most polarizing topic over the last five days, uh, what's happening? You know what happened with Rattler on Saturday and all those things. I hope. All of our patrons found those answers they're looking for because we did find them. Uh, you can find all of that on our Patreon page. But I, I think the biggest thing there has been what now when you add two games worth, you add this season or this game for this season and include last year. I mean, he's had 13 to 15 touch, touchdowns dropped. Like, what, what does that look like when you, you know, say even half of those get caught? <laughs> like, what does it look like? And. You know, I, I it's just it's one of those things that's everyone included. I put that in the post today, Brady. Uh, my kind of newsletter for the week that it's it's Good it's stuff. time you put some gifts on there. I did. I'm and, a visual learner, and uh, I think the biggest thing is that it's time for them to. I believe them that everything on the practice field is is 
escrowed in glory and they look great and they're finishing in practice and they're doing all those things. I believe them because I know what it's like for shit not to translate from the practice field to the game field. From you know, everybody, every that happens to everybody. That but, happens to everybody at every level. Like and but it's time for that to stop being an issue. It's, yeah, it's time for that stuff to start translating. It's time for Spencer to start looking good in games and not whenever live bullets are coming at him. It's time for Lincoln to after halftime to stop taking the foot off the gas or in the second quarter. It's hard to hate on Grinch too much because this is the only second game that it's happened. Um, I'm sure you'll want to touch on that in a second to wrap up the Grinch side of things, but. It's, it's time for all this stuff to stop being if and excuses and when and, and all these things. Just go out and do it. You're capable of doing it every Saturday because we've, we we've seen this team do it before. Yeah. So that's where my frustration lies is that Isaiah Thomas, I think having a guy like that that's not willing to, you know, I, I think Kenneth Murray in his third year when he stopped caring about, you know, telling, you know, saying exactly what the coaches and the – SID wants, yeah. wants him to say. Yeah. Um, once he once he got away from that, he was really good. Um, <laughs> I think, I'd say Thomas having a guy like that is going to be really beneficial to him. No, having a captain. I mean, it's not it's not as if um, OU's not had captains in recent years that actually, you know, are great as leaders, but they're also badasses on the field. Isaiah Thomas, like the second he steps on the field, just beats his man and sacks the quarterback. It's like that's what you need to see. And then for him to come out and say like what he said yesterday, cons- while concerning. You hope that it's basically water under the bridge at that point. By the time that he's d- divulging into that uh, into that uh, detail publicly, that they've already addressed that in meetings. And look, pe- players can say what they want, and everything can be fine, like behind closed doors. But once you know Saturday rolls around, all that can go out the window. It can. I, I will say I talked to a couple former coaches that coached in the Big Twelve, and they had their you know, ask me kind of what happened, what I've heard, and all those things. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing that from talking to both of them, they basically alluded to the fact that I know people don't want to hear this, but inside the walls, like games like Saturday can almost be the best thing that happens to a team. And I don't, I'm not trying to spin it to like. We oh, talked, we, I talked about that on the post game pod. Like, this has to be, this has to be a good thing. If this team's going to reach its goals, this it had to be because this game happened at this point. Because if not, if they do not derive the lessons necessary, this could go off the rails very fucking fast. It can. And I will say, I put in the post today, and when you look at it analytically, SP Plus, they didn't get crushed for it. They lost about two to three points you know, total on it. Uh, defensively went from 15th to 30th. So they just they played average. They played 30. They played 27 to 30 minutes of – Bad f- average football or 25 to 27 minutes and played probably 40, 42. That was really good. But it's it's time. Like, we talked about this, what, the week of the Tech game? I think last year was the most perfect podcast, one of them, that we've done, Brady. Because we sat here. I didn't even study Texas Tech. You hardly did any research on them. And when we showed up here, that's exactly what we wanted because it shouldn't have mattered what the film told us. Oklahoma needed to go out there and, and, and go out and put on a show against a bad football team, and that's what they did. So this week, obviously, we're not going to study Western Carolina. Hell, at moving forward, yeah, Davis Dunkelberger's in the house now. Yeah, he just walked house. in. And uh, no, I did not study Western Carolina. Sorry. But well, here's your Western Carolina preview. Oh, you should kick the shit out of them, and guess what? We're not going to learn a damn thing from it. We sh- uh, the only thing that we should learn is Caleb. Okay. It's Caleb Williams. Oh yeah, what does he look like in the pocket when there's an opponent in his face, or not? You know, there should be nobody in his face. Uh, but really, I think the only thing that we can almost make some type of well, I think so, or just at least a gut feeling is one of Jaden Knowles or Todd Hudson. Correct. Who's going to be the third guy? Wanya Who's Morse? the third man? Is Wanya Morse? Sounds like he's going to play this week. Is he live? It just sounds like he was in the doghouse a little bit. Man, it must have been hot out there, man. Those those things are not insulated well. They're they're not, and I don't want to be in Beatenbow's doghouse. That's the, the you want to talk about a guy that you know. I I jokingly had said this like there's like a list of coaches I'd like to get my butt chewed out by, like at some point in my career, like like whether it's if I was playing for him or being around him, like Beatenbow's on that list. Well, apparently, Lincoln Riley's probably gonna be at the top of the list because. I mean, you've been you've been saying I mean, I don't, 
you've been saying something about how he's coached this team and OU fans like that are on our Patreon page. It's a good thing. I mean, I don't know what that even looks like. No, <laughs> like how like, him in that in that way. No, I don't know what that looks like. Now he's as Brady knows because I've sent out the stuff before. He has rolled his eyes at me. Lincoln Riley has during the middle of a press conference during a question I was asking. It's actually a great like 10 seconds of content that I have. I need to go back and find it. But, no, I have no idea what that looks like. I have no idea. I, I mean, I know what Grinch's looks like because it's in the media. Every <laughs> and you time all, you talk to and him. his voice is hoarse the entire time. The so fact like, that he so – I did not realize how out of his voice he was on Saturday. He was – was he yeah. – do you think he was yelling at himself more or his own players? That had – I wonder if that was the maddest Alex Grinch has been since he's been at OU was this game. <laughs> because Cause, cause I, of Tulane and the players? Yes. <laughs> And then especially it compounded on, like, the final drive. Where the fuck was that the entire game? Yeah. No, I bet. I you, don't wanna, you don't want to be playing at 2.30 <laughs> or 3 o'clock in the afternoon in this heat. Well, guess what? Get, do that in the beginning, and then you can, sta- then you can take your tape just off. Grinch, just Grinch takes his headset off. Willie, stop running it on second and 10. Please, God. No one does that. I mean, think about the games OU's lost since Grinch has been <laughs> here. I mean, Kansas State probably was frustrating, but... You coach as long as you just you're just you're in the gonna game. have a game. You're like gonna have that. a game like that. You're, you're gonna going, have a game like Saturday. And it, and it wasn't even just the defense that day. The offense no. had plenty of, of reason why. That, that, yeah, Peach Bowl, throw that crap out. Like just overmatched. Well, we well, I mean, think about it. You go back and look. Like we completely underestimated what Ronnie Perkins's effect was going to be on that game. Then and now, good because <laughs> last year they had a top. I mean, they had a top thirty-five defense, and then Perkins returns, and it was a top fifteen by the end of the year. Like, how good was it really with Perkins? Was it a top ten D? So who knows? But but def- speaking of the Peach Bowl, you know, Justin Bro- that was the big Justin Broyles game. Um, his his key tackle on Tulane's touchdown run. Uh, I mean that. I guess that's why Alex Grinch uh, talked about him so much preseason. I, it's one of, you gotta like. There's always that asterisk, right? It's like can we just Patrick Fields or Key Lawrence? I'm sorry. I don't, like I'm nice, pe- nice guy. I'm I correct. hear correct. I'm sorry. It's I'm an it's OU gotten fan. to a point. It's gotten it's gotten to a point where like it's on tape. So and Justin's a really smart kid. He gets it. He's heard it now for. 14 games, right? Something along those lines, right? I don't know. Since the LSU game. I think it's been 14 games since then. But he's heard all about it since then. He knows. They. Just, I don't understand why they tried to sh- sugarcoat that. You know? Um, they got cute with their rotations. They thought this is going to be an easy game, so let's get let's get Justin Broyles his burn, get his play, because he's earned it. He's been here for a long time. Let's get it in well, now. Well, they because he had proved it, clearly, by how many snaps he played. How many times do we have to see this Young well, that's what I'm play. saying. That's what I'm saying, though. It's like they, I mean, Grinch, the week of the game, talk, was talking that's about. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, that just seemed to me like, okay, it's the culmination of the offseason, fall camp. Justin Broyles, no doubt, practices his ass off. He's a great Sooner. He, anytime he's talked to the media, like, he is, he's basically how, like, if I was an OU player, that's how I would talk. Because he has a very good understanding of the history of the program, uh, at least at least before his time. You know, I, he's not going to go over here and like recite Bud Wilkinson years, but he has an understanding of like early two thousands Oklahoma football when he was maybe two mm-hmm. or three years old, mm-hmm. and that you know that takes a lot of you know, takes a lot of time to research and to just basically give a damn. So Justin Broyles' give a damn factor is not in question here. It's just the ability mm-hmm. and. Look, this was just a complete and utter miscalculation of the opponent, a complete and utter disrespect of the opponent by both coaches and players, just by virtue of playing so many damn players and acting as if it was a scrimmage. It's it's everybody is at fault for what happened Saturday, except for Gabe Burkage. Except for Gabe Burkage. <laughs> Mr. Field Goal. Don't I lose me? <laughs> it's so funny, just when you think about. Like they did have to kick those field goals, though. That's that's bad, man. That is bad. And they have a great punter, and they don't punt at yeah, all. Yeah, really screwed. G- great for my Lou Groza Award potential. Yeah. Horrible for my Ray Guy Punter Year of the Year Award guy. <laughs> I will say, on one of those drives, I did feel like that Lincoln cut it short just so Burkett could kick a long field goal. I'm glad that I'm glad that part of my prediction got out of the way. It was it was the Lou Groza show out game. <laughs> like they they treated everything like 
we've got to like show some things, especially on on the on the peripheral. So like the kicker, Justin Broyles, he's not going to play a lot in conference. So let's play him right now. Like sure, that, that has to be it, right? I I hope it is. I'm I mean, sure I don't that know because again, because Grinch was talking him up so much. I don't I don't know. I I think that there was a there clearly if you look at Grinch's depth chart after week one, there is a uh, very performance based <laughs> result there. Which is funny because Lincoln always talks about how they don't want to be too performant, like one game, like base and all that, which is very analytical minded. But, you know, Brady, I said this today. It, it is, I think it's time. It happened. The Tulane game happened. We have all the answers for what everybody needs. Come deck gets down to it. I think the offensive line is going to be fine. Andrew Rain is going to be starting moving forward. I do think Spencer's going to be fine, guys. Is Robert Conjol about to get, uh, oh, what was his name? The Jonathan Alvarez. Not Jonathan Alvarez because his was also kind of medical or just injury based. Well, who I was th- the kid who was tipping off Texas in 2015? That was Josiah St. John. John. Is he about to get Josiah St. John? No, I, I think this is definitely more like Alvarez because I remember I was covering the team at the time and Beanbow walks into the press room and, you know, I think it was either Eddie or I asked a question in terms of, like, have you figured out who's going to be the starter at center? And he was like, yes, Creed, Creed's going to be the guy. And somebody asked, like, you know, basically why? Like, why is that? And he goes, well, no, I think we all saw it. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh. Oh. Yep. So, sounds like he's going to be the guy. I think Spitzer's going to be okay. I think right tackle remains obviously a major question mark. And it would be sh- – I mean, it would shock you, right, if Grinch got beat like that again. Right? Uh, well, I mean, Kansas State's going to present some problems just because stylistically Correct. it's it's a little bit of a different challenge mm-hmm. as compared to the rest of the Big 12. They dealt with it fine outside of uh, four plays last year. Texas is going to be a challenge just because they are going to RPO Oklahoma it, to death. Now, will they have you. the time to do it is the big question. And yeah, that's, that's let's, on get to that in, let's get to that in a second. Uh, the Texas thing, well, but c- I need two things before we ahead. get to Texas. Go One, uh, this is from our lovely producer Matt Burton, who's in the studio waiting for this podcast to be sent to him, so he can make it all the more sexy. Uh, he just texted me and said, "Hey, I'm at the station, so just send the pod when you get done, and I'll be ready." You sexy. F- Lord have mercy, I'm about to bust. Bleep that out, Matt. Mm. <laughs> Let's let that one breathe. The second thing I wanted to bring up. A little bit of pushback on Lincoln Riley's conservative second half play calling. There's reason for it in the beginning. We all know. He said, "Yeah, you're talking about the quote that came out." No, what did he say? He said that it doesn't feel. I don't know if you saw this, Davis, but basically, you know, I, I would feel dumb if I'm running both of my only two scholarship running backs into a brick wall. Yeah. Well, okay. Over so, and over. As exactly. it pertains to the second half against Tulane, where do we? Where is the line between shitting on the play calling and then calling out the players for not executing plays? Because unless you'd have a better idea of this, was the second half play calling conservative to a point where it was at a detriment? Because what I saw was just a bunch of missed opportunities to capitalize off of Tulane giving OU the ball back, punting it away back to Oklahoma. Oklahoma having. Clearly not bad field position because a lot of it just ended up Gabe Burkage kicking 50-yard field goals. So they're in scoring position. They are in position to try and extend their lead much more than they they ended up doing. So all I see is, no, I'm not going to open up the playbook against fucking Tulane. There's no need. Go run these simple plays and execute because guess what? You're at OU. I mean, Robert Conjol got whipped by 77. Robert Conjol got whipped. A lot of people got whipped. Braden Willis missed a block. Jeremiah Hall missed a block. Austin Stogner missed a block. There's a there's a lot of bad. I mean, the Marvin Mims. Davis was, said the blocking was bad. Now Marvin Mims blocking a line. We've went over this on Tuesday. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that should never happen again. Uh, for one, for Marvin Mims' health and safety, <laughs> let's not have him. Let's let's not do that. So um, yeah, there's part of it to where like. I didn't think the play calling was like super conservative in the second half. It's just a matter of guys needing to go execute. But there's always a balance, right? Because it, it may not be like the play calling in the second half, but we talked about this on Tuesday. Whenever these guys get the game plan for the week and they see it's going to be basically all the stuff that they've been running in camp and in last year, like what tone does that send? You know? 
in terms like or are you really trying to like game plan and beat this opponent like or are we just kind of running out and doing what we normally do and i think that's where that balance comes from you know because like the play calling does affect the mentality and i think the the biggest thing is that there just was too much like marquis hayes getting pushed back like marquis hayes was really i mean i have to say this nicely like creed humphrey's not walking through that door to help you out to double team guys He's, it's just not. Like, Andrew Rame could be that guy, and there could be no issue. But I don't think it was horrible. I just I, – I think, like, it all – again, like we've, we've said this whole time, it all kind of plays together. Like, they just – the coaches and the coaching staff, like, you can't – how do I say this? You know, it's, it's the old remember the Titans quote, right? Like, attitude reflects leadership. And if they don't, players don't feel like they're taking the game seriously, like, then what can, how can you expect the players to – and so it all trickles down Brady, and it was all bad, and it can't, it just can't happen again. I mean, that's really all it comes down to. It's like it's one of those things. Like they get one of those a year, right, one of those clunkers, where, and it just can't happen again. And I will say to the – this all ties in with the Saban quote, right, where we started this – the beginning segment off. I mean, Bama didn't really play that well. Like when you do watch, that's a game that I have watched. Yeah, like they didn't. They like what Saban is saying is true. Like Miami was that bad on Saturday, which is an indictment on Manny Diaz. But Manny Diaz is not a good head coach. No, uh, I I guess, I mean I guess we have to believe that if Oklahoma had played Miami, Oklahoma would have p- performed much better than they did against Tulane. Because hey, I've heard of them. They've got a thirty for thirty or two. Maybe I should play hard today. Maybe that's a good idea. I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt on that. I know. Like again, I think that's been kind of my whole thing since Saturday is I'm going to stop assuming. I need to stop assuming after fucking week one. But, yeah, let's move from anything pertaining to Oklahoma because, like we said, what are we going to do with a Western Carolina preview? This is what's frustrating about having a game like they did against Tulane going into Western Carolina. We're going to go two weeks without really knowing anything, and then who knows what this team – can show or have us learn about if they beat Nebraska or if and when they beat Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Nebraska's not very good either, but they're a helmet school and they're from a Power Five conference, and it's going to be a gigantic game that the players are going to be reminded that hey, this once upon a time used to be a gigantic rivalry, so they're going to be juiced up and amped up for this. I I would hope, I would hope. I just said I'm not going to assume, but how much can we learn? I think the biggest thing that you can learn from this game is nothing. There you go. I'm like, I am so, and I hate to put it like that, like bluntly, but when you're talking about a team that has national championship aspirations, Brady, like unless it's like Alabama, what was it? They played the Citadel like two years ago. Citadel ran the triple option and just... And just cr- and they just absolutely shredded them the entire first half because Alabama's mentality wasn't there. You know, like that's when you can learn something. Like if we learn anything from this weekend, it's not a good thing. <laughs> oh, that ain't good. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, like that's that's the problem. That you know, go take care of business. They're not very good. They're a very bad football team, and you know, show up, show out for the first quarter and a half. Hand the reins over to Caleb Williams. Let him get a bunch of reps in because if Rattler's not going to slide, put Caleb Williams in. I mean, and people overreact to that because the offense is going to look probably better because it's going to be more opened up, just like the spring game. <laughs> it's going to be a little more opened up for them to kind of showcase some of the stuff, you know. So it's one of those things where they're playing a, an FCS team, Brady, and if like Western Carolina puts two really good drives together in the first half. Like, you could be okay with, like, maybe one mental mistake where, like, they run a play that's new and unique, like Tulane a couple times on Saturday, right? That's new, unique, you haven't seen it before, and it can just beat you. Like, that's acceptable. But they should not put more than four quality drives together. Western Carolina shouldn't. Four or five. At all. I, I mean, I hope so. So, that's what I'm saying. Like the biggest thing you can learn from this game is nothing, unless it goes bad. Then we can learn a lot of things. I and like you don't want to assume, right? No, I don't want to assume. That's the ass thing. So I, I guess around the Big Twelve, 
Let's start with Oklahoma's. Let's just kind of go in order in terms of Oklahoma's schedule. So we'll focus on the first three conference games. So West Virginia, K-State, Texas. West Virginia losing, what, 30 to 21, 30 to 22? Somewhere in that range. Yeah, two. They played pretty good. Yeah, they played. They had a lead. Uh, they were down, I think, 14 nothing, And then they came back and took a lead. And then Tua's younger brother kind of slung the ball around. Yeah, he was – yeah, I, I think that that was one of my I – w- I would even not even consider it I, – I guess I wouldn't say it's a miss yet, but as you know, I was not – after watching him at the Elite 11, was not not on that train. A lot of pe- I mean, he was a top 150 guy. <laughs> like, that just was not a fair assessment, I thought, at the time. But he's playing really well. Mike Loxley has things rolling offensively up in Maryland. And you got to give credit. I, it was a. It's again. We talked about this on the uh, West Virginia pod um, with our with our guy. That's kind of the not Toby Rowland for West Virginia, but a little bit underneath that. You know, Maryland's a good football team. Like I'm happy West Virginia went and played that game. I'm happy they played well in that game. They didn't play well enough to win. Um, Jared Daigie got replaced, I believe, in that game. If so, it's it's one of those things, man. Where like. No, Jared Daigie played the entire game, but he had two interceptions. They just – it just was not – it didn't look like what it should week one offensively. For a West Virginia team that had a lot of aspirations after last year and the way analytically they looked heading into this year, they just – kind of a disappointing start. But Maryland's a good football team. I mean, they got – you know, if you want to get down into it, I mean, they got a couple five-stars. Rakeem Jarrett had 122 yards, former five-star wide receiver. Uh, those guys are pretty good. Typically, how come their five stars play better than the ones here? Do you, man? Man, did Jaden hate? Like, I know that we don't have the all twenty-two, and I wish we did. But God, he looked good on Saturday. Take a shot every time Keegan complains about not having the all twenty-two. That's going to be Keegan's thing. <laughs> That's going to be your cleanse in the future. Especially like <laughs> it's only because I see other people that are way higher up, bigger J, more important people have it and have access to it, and like I've asked two of them two people that I've seen post it and they're both say no they can't share anything like it is it's all about who you know it's ridiculous what a shame so I mean the big question with West Virginia I mean I guess it can be their quarterback like can they get an improvement at the QB position if so they can be a little bit more of a solid you know above average big 12 team uh, with their defense but the defense I mean what did you think I mean, again, like it's it's hard to. I thought they didn't play Oklahoma last year, so they had incomplete data set to work yeah. off of. And you the, know, the best team in the Big Twelve, and they didn't play them. And then they looked like did they play Iowa State the week later? They had the w- all the COVID issues that yeah. and they got wrecked. So they Iowa basically State. had like OU's Baylor week on steroids. Yes, and you know, like you go look at the data from last week, and I'm about to send this over to Brady right now, and the the graphics a little bit. It's hard to, like, locate where each team's at. But when you do, you'll see that the Big 12, I thought, had a pretty relatively good showing. Um, I mean, they, from a, like, EPA and all that fun analytical perspective, like, the, I thought the Big 12 had a pretty good week. So, uh, West Virginia. Yeah, you got Cincinnati up there. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> it took me a second to catch on to that. Um, BYU's right there in the middle, right next to Kansas State. So, yeah, like it says, like, oh, you played pretty average on Saturday. This is from a uh, good friend, Parker Fleming, Stats of War. Um, you know, I, I think the the biggest thing is that, like, West Virginia offensively is going to be who we thought they were, Brady. <laughs> like, Maryland's defense isn't that good. They're pretty good. They're, they're not that good. And as you know, Maryland is a team that I was able to watch a couple times, which is probably one of those things where, <laughs> like, you really don't get to know how good they are unless you watch them, and I thought they had a chance to be pretty good this year. So it was a it, it was a relatively oh I don't know like West Virginia's defense was stretched, but I don't know if like we how do I say this like Maryland's offense would be a top five offense in the Big Twelve this year. So like like how do you like they well, gave, where would you say they are in the Big Ten? <laughs> top five offense in the Big Ten. Maybe, I mean, like after five, six in the Big Ten knows when it gets real. Yeah, just like it does in this conference. Yeah. So, as you can tell, like West Virginia's right here. They had basically a 0.0 EPA offensively, 0.0 deep 
EPA defensively. They literally were just they played a they played an average football game on Saturday and they're an average football team. So I've been fade West Virginia from the beginning. Still feel that way. They were a three point favorite, lost by six. Like and you know they the turnover luck wasn't a huge issue. Um, so, but yeah, I thought it was, uh, like what, what I expected to see out of West Virginia. Well, shit. I hope Lincoln Riley all week for West Virginia reminds the players that, Hey, West Virginia's won a lot of games over the last 20 years. They're, they, they've they been historically f- pretty good. I hope they put that on the scout each week. Like I would get up for this team. I would get up for this game. <laughs> they, like they needed like a get up factor. Like, Tulane would have been about a five, maybe a six. They, they put it up to a six because it's a random home game that wasn't scheduled. So you should be like, oh, this is exciting. Yay. Western Carolina's down at, like, a one. Nebraska should be about a seven. West Virginia, probably about a six again. So, uh-oh, that ain't good. That is not good. So, Kansas State just dominates Stanford. and It looked like it. it on the scoreboard. It did. Yeah, like you, you told me to look at the box score, and I, I'd seen highlights of this game. And so, you know, you look at if you just look at the highlights and you look at the score, like you kind of come away with like, hey, Kansas State, like I don't know how good Stanford is, but, man, Kansas State must really have something going down there with Chris, Chris Kleiman going into year three. And then you told me to look at the box score, and it's like, yep, Stanford's awful. Their quarterback was incredibly efficient. He only had three incompletions, and he passed for just over 100 yards. And nobody rushed for, I think, above 45 yards from Stanford. This is Stanford. Their bread and butter is supposed to be running the football old school. And Kansas State, you know, Skylar Thompson, nothing really. I think he was 9 of 14 or 9 of 18. And no big yards, no touchdowns, an interception. And it really was just that long Deuce Vaughn run. <laughs> and a it was couple really other, it. A long passing touchdown, a long Deuce Vaughn run, and a couple other big plays. I mean, it was the Kansas State method. Against Oklahoma. Last year. And, you know, I, I think the, the – Yeah, 9 of 14 for 144. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Davis. Dunkelberg with the numbers. Yeah, and, again, it's just one of those things like, can they keep that up? Because that's not how you win football games. It's just not. But they've done it now for – this is heading – this is the second straight year. That's, I mean, look at the Tech game last year. They needed a, they needed a Deuce Vaughn, like, three broken tackles after a yard – after a catch to, to beat Texas Tech. Like I just don't know how like Kansas if they State is not playing for like Big Twelve championships. Like they're they're playing to just be the thorn in somebody's side, and they're they've been in the thorn of Oklahoma <laughs> Oklahoma side. side. I mean, they'll be the first Big Twelve program right in the last uh, since the Big Twelve took over to beat Oklahoma three times in a row. Right? If I know my if I know my history a little bit, because I did since look the, that up since the Big Twelve form, maybe since '99, maybe since Bob. Uh, okay, I was gonna say. <laughs> um, I believe that's correct. Because Oklahoma State, Chris Kleiman joined Les Miles. Texas beat OU three times in a row in 90, 90, 97, 98, 99. Bob's first year. There you go. And that, that may be it, though. Texas A&M lost in 99, 98, 97. They had to have looked. OU had to have lost in 96 A&M. So since 2000, Kansas State's got a chance to be the only. Chris Kleiman will be the only coach. Oh yeah, to it, beat Oklahoma three times. In even a row. if even if he was the second one, it'd be it'd be incredible. I said <laughs> this. I I think it's a good thing that Oklahoma earlier in this pod. I said it's, it's a good thing that Oklahoma's had trouble with a lot of these teams in the Big Twelve, Brady, because <laughs> they're not going to overlook them. These players have been around for these games. I would hope Texas Tech's the only one. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Literally, Texas Tech is the only in West Virginia, I guess. 2019, Jalen Hurts threw all over West Virginia, and that should have been a bad sign for them. But they got better as the year went on. Um, I think the the biggest thing about that Kansas State-Stanford game to take away, Deuce Vaughn is still really good. Uh, We've known this. And we learned nothing else. They play Carson Strong, one of the top quarterbacks in the draft this year, in Nevada here in a couple weeks. So well, Maybe this week. No, not this week. I would probably say – the other thing we can take from this, because I, I don't know. I can't remember what you picked. I, I picked Stanford to beat them, mainly just yes. because I feel like Stanford is a little bit more of a consistent commodity going into a season than Kansas State is. Kansas State beating Stanford, you know, both teams can end up being very average. Still a very good look for this conference. At the end of the day, that was a an opportunity for the national media to dunk on the Big 12 by, like, look, look at the, the Big 12, like, Oklahoma looked like crap today, and... Kansas State against another Power Five conference 
you know, lost. No, they, they, they won rather handily. So good for the conference now. Texas playing the Raging Cajun, albeit a pretty good football team. We've good kn- football we've team. We've known this. We knew this, uh, of course, them last Can year. Can I say Iowa better State. than what I – whenever I watched it, better than what I thought they were going to look like. Much more capable to take punches from a power like a team like Texas and not quit. They had three guys on the defensive line that I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah. So, what did uh, I, I want to get your thoughts first? I know I cut you off there. So, but I it's so intriguing of like when I'm watching it, like I didn't think Texas played that good. Here's the weird thing: I saw more of an identity. Sure. Than I ever did under Tom Herman. Their identity was just Sam Ellinger can make a lot of cool plays randomly. And unfortunately for Texas, fortunately for us, he makes a lot of awesome plays. Sometimes because in the first half or earlier in the game, he made stupid mistakes. So even a lot of his good plays didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things because he already put his team in a hole because he's inaccurate. He's not a very good passer. Can't really open up the playbook with him. You know, yada, yada, yada. I saw more of an identity or just at least more of a just more of an onus to try to stick to one. Now it's going to come down to the offensive line with them and how much can that protect Bajon Robinson or even Hudson card guys got their ass kicked all day. Bajon Robinson still balled out, but we we know this. We know he's a good player. He's a great player. That drive after halftime was unbelievable. I shouldn't. I did not expect this against Tulane at all, but I've had. I don't know if we've even really talked about. It. We've kind of mentioned it here and there, indirectly, but how Texas is trying to use Bajon Robinson as basically you're doing everything for us. If Eric Gray is as good as we are told, Correct. I want Lincoln to use him like that. Correct. I want hey, split him out wide and throw him a screen instead of like throwing a screen to Mario Williams and having Marvin Mims block. <laughs> Put Eric Gray out wide and have other people block and let him move because in his – I mean, he had eight carries. Two of them, he had no room to do anything, and you could tell he's got a special ability to make guys miss. Yeah. Yeah. Utilize that. It's all I'm asking. I just thought it was so, like tech, – that Texas game is the perfect example of turnover luck, right? Because they covered the line in that game, which was eight and a half. Texas did. And Bajon fumbled in the red zone, and they Texas recovered it. And then Louisiana had a fumble late in their red zone, and they didn't recover it. This game was a little bit closer than what the score showed. And that being said, Christian Jones had his handful with a couple of Louisiana guys. Denzel Okafor, left guard, had his handful. Offensive line is going to take that team as as far as they want to go. I hope OU takes them seriously that week. Jared Wiley, 18, the tight end. I don't know if you noticed it. Can't block. 80 struggled blocking. The bread and butter of what Alabama did offensively last year in the power run game, not there for Texas this year. So I'm intrigued to see how that translates. Last week, as you know, that was a test for me for their defense. They were good, good, you know, like they, they weren't. Flew, they great. flew around. Yeah, they, they, it looks like Kwiatkowski and the culture that he's bringing will be fine. But this week is the week offensively for them that they're going to be tested extremely. Yes. I, Arkansas is going to drop eight in the coverage. Card's going to have to make quick, decisive decisions. RPO game's not going to be there. Arkansas took it away from Bama last year. They still got their shit kicked in. Jace McClellan had a 70-yard touchdown run. They ran all over him. So this is the week that Hudson Card is going to be tested. If We're, we're going to learn a little bit more about Hudson Card this week than we did last week. And that Texas offense this week, though, or Texas defense – if they don't just dominate Arkansas up front, that was probably, if you want to look at something that was a little concerning, the pass rush from Texas last week was not there, even interior guys. Now, those guys blew up the run game, uh, and it was very noticeable how dom- how dominant they could be. But the pass rush just was not there from the edge guys, which was to be a little expected because they don't have a ton of them. But interior-wise, they did not either. So that was a pretty average performance for Texas. But Texas, most years when they play like that, you know, they lose those games. So yeah. it was a, it's a positive for them. They haven't started 3-0 since 2012 in a season. Oh. And uh, 
they're on their kind of on their way. So yeah. we'll see. I was interested to see like uh, I won't call anybody out because I mean hell I picked Miami to beat Alabama, but um, there were some OU fans that were very vocal about picking Texas to lose to Louisiana, and then after Texas does the opposite of that and beats them, those same OU fans were saying, "Oh, well I'm not impressed." No, you should be. I'm impressed with Alabama. I, I did not think that they would be that great day one with all that they lost, not just the, on, the, on the field, but on the sideline. Like it, They looked like they did not miss a beat. No, they didn't. Bryce Young looked comfortable um, down there in Bama. And I, I, you know, I don't know how much more you want to get into, but I, I will say Texas probably got a little bit lucky the in the turnover area, game, Brady, which, which not again happens. Variance but I, I, will, I think know, the most important thing, like you said, unless is that they has a horseshoe up, you know where. There were a lot so of people picking them, not just to not The cover, only other game that I believe that we had intrigued and by, numbers we don't care about that they should not have on this podcast. We don't care about Oklahoma, Missouri State. They outperformed all that. They don't care about Kansas and South Dakota. The only other one, Brady? Surprised a lot of people on Saturday. The Texas Tech Red Raiders looked like a competent football team. They did, down 14 to nothing, and they came back, took control of the game, and won. And that's what good teams do. I'm, Texas Tech is not a good team relative to, you know, the team that this podcast covers. But in terms of just the landscape of college football, that, that does say a lot. That does say that you are on the – there are, what, 40 good teams out of the 120 that play big-time college football? Texas Tech, you know, at least on week one, they were one of those 40. Because you get down and come back, regain control, and then hold it. Bad teams don't do that. Yeah, and Houston's a group of five team, but they're one of the more higher up group of five teams, and they have talent. Dana Horgerson's a fairly good, competent coach. So good, good for Tech. Good for them. I still think <laughs> poor Matt Wells is a little bit overwhelmed. And yes. has way too much of an uphill battle. It's not good for Dana Holgerson that that staff beat him on Saturday. Yes. That is um, Dana's days numbered as a head coach. I, it's got to be, right? I mean, you know what? He's going to be on he's going to be on saving staff for fairly soon. No? No. Is he going to be No, Lincoln Riley needs to not be an offensive coordinator. If Dana Holgerson, I'm kidding. That's a, uh, if was, you couldn't tell the sarcasm I, in my voice, I was about to scream. I'm kidding. That was a. I'm, I'm that joke. That that's that's ridic- That was ridiculous. Oh boy, I caught Brady off guard there. I've never yeah, done that before. Yeah, like C.D. Lamb's doing the. He's standing at attention for the national anthem, and I'm just. I just want to. Oh, I need to reset. <laughs> okay, Texas Tech. Yes, they they look good. Like you said, I think it's a big thing that I think Shuck looked fine. Um, Houston's defense isn't any good, but I, I, I will say the, the big thing, like you said, Tech last year loses that game a lot like Texas in their game, uh, and it's a positive sign, and it's a positive sign for the Big 12, Brady, that nobody really screwed up last week thanks to the Kansas Jayhawks not losing to South Dakota. Let them storm the field, man. Let them have their fun. First time they had won a they game sh- since 2019. I, I can't remember where I said it. They should have busted out that gigantic spring game trophy. Just, you know, we're already here. We're already on the field. Bring it out. We're going to the quad. I got a, it's the one best last, night of our lives. One last thing for you. Our uh, good friends up in Nebraska lose to Illinois week one. Great showing against the Fordham. Week two. Where is Fordham? No clue. Northeast, I would assume. <laughs> uh, the team that they lost to week one got beat by UTSA at home. I meant to catch up on that because I remember they were only like a six-point favorite. Or like a they were only a seven-point favorite <laughs> against, against UTSA. Fordham is in New York. Oh, New York City. Never heard of it. God. Well, speaking of Nebraska, I was on a Corn Nation uh, podcast that will be dropping on Monday, and I was very transparent and genuine with them. I was like, no, until I saw OU play against Tulane, I I, th- I thought Oklahoma should just curb stomp Nebraska. Like, I'm sorry. I know your listeners are going to hate me. Now I don't really know for sure because I'm going to stop assuming, but 
Um, no, let's let's try to have like two little things to potentially look forward to. Okay. Uh, for Western Carolina before we get out of here, uh, I've already kind of mentioned one. Like, I want to find out or just have a gut feeling that Jaden Knowles or Todd Hudson can be a, a competent third down back uh, for a potential championship run. We have to. We should have found that out on Saturday. We need to find out now. We f- we did we found out last year that the talent that Rattler had was so overwhelming in the Missouri State game. I want to see that from Caleb Williams on Saturday. I don't want to start a quarterback competition because that's not going to happen. I'm kidding about the offensive coordinator thing. Anytime we make a quarterback competition joke, we're kidding. Rattler is the closest thing we've seen to Patrick Mahomes. You people, stop it. Stop it right now. You need to be stopped. You know who you are. And <laughs> um, I, I, on, that, on top of that, to throw my last one before you throw your last one in here, I, w- I want to, again, I said this earlier, there should be only four to five quality drives at the maximum for Western Carolina on Saturday. That end in points? That they just have – they may get three first downs on it. Somewhere in – you know what I'm saying? They, yeah. This needs to be an onslaught from snap one. Yeah. It needs, it, to, be, it needs to be absolutely clean. It needs clean. to be a Missouri State bad. It needs to be absolutely clean, too. Because if, if OU gets aggressive penalties against a team like Western Carolina, like – pushing guys after the whistle or defensive holding, defensive pass interference, like that's that's a different type of disrespect for your opponent. Like that that would have no place in a game against Western Carolina. Um, I, I will mention this, and I told you this before we went on. I was told by somebody uh, who I trust that hmm Maybe against Western Carolina, I don't know if uh, it wasn't necessarily like moving forward or just this Saturday. But Jordan Kelly's been uh, he's been listed as available per uh, Lincoln Riley as of a few hours ago. So, oh boy, this is this even sounds kind of hot takes, even though I was told it. Apparently, Perry on Winfrey might not start, and he might he shouldn't. He might be behind Corey Roberson and Jordan Kelly. If if it's a punishment, he shouldn't. Because if it's, we I, all watched I, I would, it. I interpreted like whenever this was told to me, I interpreted it as a wake-up call to Perry on Correct. And I bounced that back to the person I was talking to, and they were they were like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. That Again, like that's that's the big thing. Like Something's got to give. We're sitting here two weeks ago talking about a C on his chest. We're talking about even if he's not made a captain that he needs to be it, just from a way he was acting this offseason to all those things, it's got to show up snap to snap and again this comes from a a genuine place because if he did show it snap to snap I can promise you he will be a first round pick come next April so that's all I got to say on that it's 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 time he's uh that juco trust me that juco that's in you it's got to get out it's got to get out as quick as it can that juco shit won't fly for a national title run no it doesn't it doesn't fly for anything in life like i'm being real about that you know who didn't play like a juco who isaiah co there was a couple good snaps relax let let me have uh, he's been my guy since the off season relax let me have i didn't show you when he got blown off the ball in the fourth everybody got blown off the ball everybody got blown not like we'll give oh look at this the nfl has begun oh hell yeah dallas and tampa bay about to kick off so that's where we're going to end it here if you can't hear in the background i'm sure you can vanessa house doing their bingo bingo songo that they do every thursday night at seven o'clock great great fun got a about a half full tap room, but usually people kind of start trickling in right or right after seven. Oh, said, look at this! The NFL has begun. Oh, that's where we're going to end it here. If you can't hear in the background, I'm sure you can. Vanessa House doing their Bingo Bingo song that they do every Thursday night at seven o'clock. Great, great fun. Got a about a half full tap room, but usually people kind of start trickling in right or right after seven. Um, a lot of fun ha- happening here on Vanessa House Beer Company. Mm. Broadway and 8th in Oklahoma City. Great beer. On your way down to the tailgates on Saturday, be sure to stop here. If you're coming through Oklahoma City, get some good beer Friday night. Get you all ready for all day Saturday, and you can have a lot of fun with it. Everybody, if you have not done this already, please do so. Leave a five-star rating and review on our podcast, on Apple Podcasts. We would greatly appreciate that a ton. But everybody... Thank you so much. Thank you to our patrons who are listening to this uh, first for the first 24 hours. We greatly appreciate you all. Uh, all the effort you guys uh, show us, we hopefully give it back to you just a little bit more to 
keep you guys entertained and informed as always. But until next time, everybody, y'all have a good one. Boomer Sooner. Hopefully Saturday night we're a lot more saner. But until then, we'll talk to you later.